Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. Another addition to my uh, drunky McDrunkerson collection. Lettuce is a fine topping if you have got like nine things. Don't waste one of your three on we go. lettuce. Both of you probably could use a salad. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas. Silver 7's Thursday. We're every Thursday from 3 to 6 until we go 2 to 5, which we'll be switching up 2 to 5 once Thursday night football comes along. But we're here the rest of the year. We appreciate Silver 7's jumping on board. And we had uh, Eric Andre, the marketing director here, on earlier. And he introduced uh, an expansion of what they were doing for the hockey season, VGK games. You come down here, you watch a VGK game. While the game is on, 77 cents on the beers. Get it? Silver 7s. 77 cents. Now, football games, 77 cent beers. That's crazy. They got two bars to hang out at, Corona Cantina, Silver and Gold. Of course, the William Hill Racing Sportsbook is across the way as well. Uh, we're going to get into, in the next 10 minutes, some of the reports what Adam has heard from his cohorts about day two of the joint practice between the Rams and the Raiders. Apparently, it was very chippy today. And this is the John Gruden that I I don't know, but I love. Schefter just tweeted out a little while ago, Raiders head coach John Gruden sent his team to its buses after a brawl with the Rams. Quote, that's enough of that crap. <laughs> Gruden said about an hour later at the team hotel, and you can just hear him saying it. We played a bite from him earlier. Just grumpy Gruden is fun Gruden for the rest of us. Grumpy Gruden kind of making the face. I'm not in the mood for this. I'm not an idiot. I was about to do an impression. I can't. I'm not a very good Gruden impressionist. <laughs> you can definitely hear the that's enough of this crap. Like You can hear it in his voice for sure. You would know what he's saying. And he even dropped a child's play reference, which was my favorite part of the day. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. I like grumpiness. I like tempers flaring. I like petulant behavior. So today, thank you to Lance Lynn. <laughs> this is awesome. This bite won't exactly fill you in on what happened. We'll tell you the rest of the story, but... Uh, apparently, the umpires come over in the game yesterday to the White Sox, Lance Lynn, and maybe they were checking for substances. He got a little bit pissed off and reacted. Lance Lynn in the dugout. You see, he threw his he threw his belt. Yeah, the belt come out of the dugout. I'll speculate. Could be a matter of I, I don't know if it's a sticky substance check. I have no idea, but that's why I said I'll speculate because I have zero basis to make that make that argument but if i'm for telling me zavala got ran and lance lynn's got issues with it i mean of all the people you know who would throw a belt it's me sure i love that and i kind of like it too because i saw a couple of photos of lance lynn walking around without the belt on and he's just got the jelly belly kind of hanging over flowing over the the where the belt was like bro you need the belt he Put needs it back the on. belt that's, that was the biggest sacrifice of the whole thing. He needs the belt. He wants to be uh, – he doesn't want to be looking like that. 
uh, I, I mean, <laughs> he was frustrated already. That's that's the key, which is not surprising. He was upset at some calls earlier in the game. He was also battling really hard. Uh, I believe through three innings, he had already thrown like 75 pitches. Uh, he was really running up a pitch count. Uh, even though he was pitching well, uh, it was he was just battling through the whole thing. So he was pitching well in terms of not allowing runs, just battling through the whole thing. So you get why he's frustrated. He, he went to the dugout immediately. He left his glove and hat on the top of the dugout stairs so that if they wanted to check, they could. And then he was on his way to see the trainer because something had happened that inning and he wanted to get it checked out. And as he was almost over to the trainer, they were like, ah, we got the hat and the glove. We need the belt too. And he was supposed to walk over and show the belt, but instead he just took it off and threw it at them. Not at them. That's probably not a fair assessment. He just tossed it up in the direction. I do respect that the umpire, he didn't, like, get into theatrics. He was just like, all right, you're gone. He just gave him, like, get, just get out. Uh, just tossed him out very casually. So it's not like he made it about himself. I don't know if you have to throw a guy out for tossing his belt in your direction. I feel like you can just let it go. But also, I, I get why it's an ejection. You can't have players openly disrespecting you in that way. Um, I don't know. It, it's it's a tough call. You know why players are frustrated. But also, Lance Lane has to understand, like, they're going to come check. Like, they're going to come over and check you. That's what they do now. So wh- wh- why do you have such a problem with it? You understand that's the rules. But, you know, it's heat of the moment. You're of pissed course. off. So and you, I, you, I explained you all that. the reasons why. Yeah, you say that. I mean, you have to understand. But guys are in the moment, so. Sure. And like I said, he was already frustrated with some of the calls. He had already left his hat and his glove up there. He was over to see the trainer. He thought they took too long to get over there is what uh, basically came out of that. Is that like, hey, if you're going to check, be there when I get to the dugout. Don't let me get into the dugout almost to the trainer, and that's when you ask me. And you understand that, too. Like, you kind of understand where everybody's coming from on this. But it's just it's just a unfortunate situation for the White Sox in the middle. Now, it didn't matter, but they're in the middle of a, a pen, you know a race. They've got it clinched. Uh, but, you know, you want to win games. Number four. Is this ever going to end with the football team and this name selection thing? Come on. I hope not. Pick a name. Don't pick Guardians. Why? It'd be great. Well, that'd be stupid. They can't do it. But don't pick something Guardians-like. All right. Do we have the 18th final list we've seen for the football team, the former Redskins' new name? We do. We have a final eight. I mean, first of all, I would go with football team, and it is one of the cho- one of the choices. Which is amazing. I think I don't know if they're trolling. I don't know what they're doing by throwing it in there, uh, but it's there. Uh, we remember from the beginning, two of the favorites were Red Hogs and Red Wolves. Now that would be the to me that's the Guardians' direction, right? Like, what the, the Indians had a connection with Guardians to the city of. Cleveland, but also they could keep like the same logo with the IANS at the end. The Redskins are just looking to how can we keep this red? Red Hogs, which of course ties to the past of the, of the team. Red Wolves, a military tie-in. Um, so that's that's there. They've got Armada and Brigade, both decent. I'm I'm, I'm kind of with either one of those. I mean, as much as I want football team, it's there. People are really fired up to not make it the Washington Presidents. There's a lot of cool like logo possibilities though. You pick the pick the president that you want, make it the logo. Oh boy, I'm gonna go down this path. Who would you pick? I know who I'd pick. I mean, 
as much as I want it to be Obama, that would be bad. Uh, I think you go, like, Lincoln. Here's the problem. Now that we go back and dig a lot deeper in history, could you find a president that was completely free of any sort of scandal? No, it's tough. You know what I mean? Like, all policy decisions, domestic, international... Uh, you know, if they grew up in an era where there was slavery, forget about like it. First You're twenty are out. Yeah, you know, like I, I, you know what I would go with. I'm gonna go with. Well, I think Nixon would be hilarious uh, sure. for obvious reasons, uh, from a look standpoint, and just you know how shameful everything was at go the team, end. Or yeah, or. right. Or just him, you know, <laughs> outside the plane with the hands up. Um, I would go for the the uh, the physical. Well, I actually I have three of them. I would go with um, one of my favorites is Martin Van Buren because okay. he was he was balding but had the flop like the the floppy hair but he also had the giant mutton chops. Sure, I think that's awesome. Um, I don't know. I always were like to me this like this is like a football coach look. Like I always thought Teddy Roosevelt and the barrel chest. I don't know why I like that term. The barrel chest, right? I think that would be a good one. But clearly Taft. Is your guy. What am I going to go with? What's a co-field and company tradition? Yeah, Taft. Do we ever, we've had like almost no thin people on the staff because I refuse to let anyone, you know, not slim me. So you're right. You nailed it, Taft. Didn't Taft, I think the sports big used to tell the story, didn't? Taft got stuck in a, in a uh, bathtub? That's it. Yeah. I don't even Why know. do you remember that? Well, I, as I pointed out on the, on, the, uh, on the late night happy hour last night, if you guys were making fun of like what nerdy background I have, uh, presidential trivia is. Oh, that's right. We were talking about uh, if we were smart as kids and won competitions as kids, because our buddy was on the show. His daughter just won a, a big uh, international prize scholastically. Um, I'm going to say this: do you, do you have a clear leader? Because I do. I think it's very easy. And and you just nailed it with Taft. Of course. What am I going to go with? Sure. Well, uh, no, I'm saying what what name? Because it's not going to be presidents. And by, by the way, just so we're clear, before yeah. we move on, like Taft did not really get stuck in a bathroom. A Taft it's logo. It's an urban legend. A, it would, but, but you would actually, one of the alternate logos would be him in a bathtub. Uh, but <laughs> the clear winner here is the Red Hawks. Oh, I thought you meant which president was the winner. <laughs> That's what it was. I think, I mean, I think it's going to be Red Hogs. You could still use Taft if you want. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> That was a good line. Armada, Presidents, Brigade, Red Hogs, Commanders, Red Wolves, Defenders, Football Team. Yeah, I'd go Red Wolves, Red Hogs, and I would like to see what the Armada logos I'd would look like. I, I might I might be down with that one. I, I want Sentinels. But What is that? I mean, it's, it's, it's cool. I thought that was the name. Isn't that the name from the replacements? Is I it? I thought it was the Washington Sentinels. I would go with that. Like, why not can, just go with a Hollywood film? Can they actually get the name? The first thing that comes up on Sentinels is a eSports organization. Oh, they probably took it from the same movie. Nah, you got to saw me on that one. It was, well, it was, I mean, Shane Falco, who had a great career in college, then he was, he crossed the picket line. That was Scab. great. <laughs> Top three stories. Number three. So two weeks away, Adam, from uh, UNLV opening its season. They've got a quarterback battle going on. Doug Broomfield, Justin Rogers, and those are the guys right now. Sure. And I'll explain why. We talked to Marcus Arroyo today after practice, and they actually had a, a scrimmage where they were running plays and you know going 11 on 11. Uh, here's what he said. I started asking the question about, hey, do, do you have to have one guy going into next week? How close are you getting? 
in the quarterback race to name in a guy, or you're going to be fine going up until the the week, you know, the days before the game? Yeah, I mean, next week's going to be really pivotal because we're going to start getting into some prep stuff. Um, so that's where we're going to hone in and, and probably put a, uh, a lot tighter scope on things and, and see if we can get to a point we can get one guy and get, get some chemistry. Uh, if that presents itself, that would be optimal. Um, and, and that's the objective is to get an optimal situation to get some chemistry with a little more reps. So uh, I'm excited to see how next week plays out for those guys. Did Doug fall behind at all with the with the walking boot and you know being in, more in conditioning and maintenance? No, no. I think like I said before, it's precautionary with the boot to make sure you can come back out and do what he did the last couple of days, and that's move around, take him off the field a little bit. We do that with a lot of guys. We're doing that with some guys, you know, in, in our program to get us to a point where we need to be. We're not the depth we have in just the first year together. It's not what we'll be in you know three years, and that's. That's what we've got to do is maintenance on our guys and, and, and manage that roster. So um, he did a nice job getting getting some stuff off, did some, some good things today, some stuff we can continue to learn on. But if you had to play two guys at this point, are, are you okay with that? I think we have to. You know, I don't think I think you get to a point where you've got to figure out if uh, you know you do you, you, how, how effective you can be with with the best guys or how you can be in, with two guys out there. Um, you know, you go with one guy and see how things go. It's not it's not ideal. All right. So what do you think of that? That was actually uh, John Treach from. 8 News Now was asking about the two quarterbacks, and he said, I think you have to. I think that's what he was saying, right? That you have to be open to it. So, which means that the gap between Rodgers and Broomfield just is not that big, and, you know, neither one has completely secured the job. And I, I, I'll just say I noticed, um, and again, I don't know the order of practice, but it appeared to me that Rodgers was getting the, the time that I saw. We're only out there for like a half an hour at practice, and then they close, and that's when they started doing the scrimmage. That Rodgers was with the ones, as he's been the last couple of days, because Broomfield wasn't a walking boot. Now, Broomfield was he was getting around fine today, so I believe him on the, the maintenance thing. So Broomfield was with the twos, but I thought Broomfield was with the ones the times I've seen him in prior weeks, so that's how close it is right now. Yeah, and I, I was trying to interpret because he said you have to, and then sounded like he said somebody's going to have to establish themselves as the one. <laughs> so I don't know exactly where he was going with it, but when you have to be open to even situations, like maybe this guy is better in this situation, this guy's better in this situation, maybe you do have to play two guys. And especially when you've had a, a whole spring, a whole summer, you've had all this time and nobody's really established themselves, sometimes you have to be open to playing two. So on Tate Martell, because I know people have questions about it, you know, just about every day. Tate Martell, if you don't know who he is, he was top 10 quarterback recruit coming out of Bishop Gorman, had a commitments to major schools, finally landed at Ohio State, transferred to Miami. So our buddy LV Cabby Chronicles was asking earlier, he's like, I'm behind the game here, but what happened to Martell? Um, and then there were some responses like, you know, he can't play. Yeah, he didn't win the job elsewhere. So, you know, basically like he has no shot. That's not the story. It's not what's happening. He just got here. Yep. Well, he's been here. He was working over the summer. And, listen, I have no idea if he any, had any real connects besides, besides conversations with UNLV football in terms of prep, so maybe I'm out of the loop on this one. But, officially, he's been with the program for, like, three weeks. And he's had a wrap 95% of the time I've seen him on his right thumb, he's had a wrap on. He's, he's throwing the ball okay. I don't think he's throwing the ball the way he wants to yet. But this, he doesn't win the job to start the season. See? Like, the Tate Martell dislike. Pump the brakes, folks. He may not win the job ever. I don't know what's going to happen. But he's definitely, he's not fighting a fair fight right now. Those guys had a head start, and he just got here. Sure. I mean, I think all those things are true. Now, it's also, it's kind of silly 
to put like some crazy expectation. Like he didn't just walk in here and win the job. He sucks. He hasn't won the job anywhere. He's never won well, a starting but, quarterback job. But people are pointing to that. I also think that that's that's also kind of ridiculous when you're like he didn't win the job at Ohio State. He didn't win the job at Miami. So I think a lot of people are like, well, he didn't win there. So he's going to come here to UNLV. They weren't very good last year. So how can he win the job here? These guys actually have talent. Broomfield was a you know decently recruited in terms of schools that offered. Dude, he's got he's got a lot of talent. Rogers started and, as a freshman at a Big Twelve school. Rogers was the highest rated <laughs> recruit that TCU ever landed. Right now, it didn't work out there. He just hasn't been healthy. But I know you like him. Yeah. I mean, you can see with the the, the he. He has the look, the physicality. He can throw. He throws a, a good ball. So Martell was not walking into a place where the cupboard was completely empty. Right, and it's it's crazy on both sides. Like the, I mean, I think UNLV could probably take advantage of some of the the hype, um, and maybe use use it in some way to direct. Like people actually, this is a story people actually care about. So you know what? However, you can play that. Like yeah, get some interest in your program. That's fine. But I mean the 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 reactions on both sides, like again, like the people that just thought Tate Martell was going to step on campus and be the starting quarterback from day one—that's silly. Uh, the people that think it's some kind of reflection because he hasn't won the job yet, kind of silly too. I was going to say, just so you know, I, I put some stuff out on Twitter on uh, on you know the quarterback race highlights, updates on Broomfield, and then we did retweet it on the ESPN Las Vegas account. And, you know that's why. We'd love for you guys to follow because a lot of information gets out that way. And I did post a question, you know, where do you think the, the uh, depth chart is right now for the quarterbacks? And Martell was listed fifth. Now, is he going to be there forever? I think most of it's because he hasn't been healthy. He's going to move ahead of uh, their, their uh, you know, their walk-on freshman. I'm not exactly sure of, of uh, Geating's stash, uh, status. And I don't know what's going to happen with Cameron Friel. I think he's looked pretty good. But right now, that, that's where he's working from. Yeah, it's a and I was like, it wasn't it wasn't some kind of troll. Like that's reality right now. Now I guess I could have egg on my face next week if you know <laughs> Eastern Washington and Tate Martell runs out <laughs> again. We we watch practice from eight to like eight forty, and then they practice for another seventy minutes without us there. So maybe there maybe there's something going on that I don't see. Yeah, you, you don't know. Maybe they're hiding it. Maybe they're not talking about I, it. I don't think so. All those things are possible. It's just I, not it's not likely. Number two. Yeah, take what you hear on a lot of these practices with caution. With caution. Like yesterday. So what did you really hear uh, behind the scenes on the, the Hunter Renfro stuff and Jalen Ramsey? Because it really blew up. And you know, and uh, Renfro, good for him. He got a lot of pats on the back. What was happening? Well, I mean, for, for one, it seemed like they're trying out Jalen Ramsey in some different spots. Uh, playing a lot of slot, which is a little bit different. I mean, he's done it in the past, but uh, it seemed like they really were were pushing that yesterday. Um, and you know, I think I think Renfro won a couple of reps, and I think a couple of things. First of all, there is still some, and I, you know, part of it is little white dude, but there's the Hunter Renfro is beating people. Yeah, yeah. I I, I got to tell you, I thought that was the most insulting thing uh, for really for both sides. Whatever. I mean, it's it's just thinly veiled nonsense with white receivers. So. Sure. And you know, Jalen Ramsey is one of the best in the game. And when Hunter Renfro makes some catches on him, you're, you know, people are going to react a little bit to that. I think it sounds like he won, you know, several reps against him. Um, like I said, the one the one video that really came out was more Derek Carr beating Ramsey with a shoulder fake 
than it was Renfro. Like Renfro ran a really good route, but it's not like they were in an island and like there was no other factors in the play. Carr threw a shoulder fake, which he's really good at. Ramsey thought, you know, he bit on it, went to go try to intercept it, and then the throw was back in the end zone, and Renfro went and got it. Um, you know, that's that's just a really good play by the offense, not necessarily a receiver just winning a one-on-one battle. And it sounds like some some one-on-one battles he won. Guess what? I watch Hunter Renfro win one-on-one battles every single day. The dude is an unbelievable route. Raiders runner. defense is yeah. terrible. Yeah, not surprising. Like that's not that, the conclusion. Not surprising that he ran so, that he won some reps, but you also again don't know exactly what they were working on. Was there was there some reps where the Rams said, "Hey, let him go. We want to see if our safeties react the right way." Possibly, like those are things we never know as spectators at camp, and so it's really tough to to really really formulate some sort of knowledge or or opinions uh, on a lot of those things. And you, know, you could watch it, and you could get, take your hey, I think Ramsey really. I'm saying the reps that the rep that's out there that you can watch. Ramsey looked like he was really trying to get, really trying to shut him down, and he bit on a on a pump fake and went, and then you know Renfro went and got a touchdown. Great play. Like I don't, I don't think anything else was going on there, but you could have watched some reps where they told him let him go, and then you're like, wow, he really beat him that time, or did he let him go? And Jalen Ramsey, definitely on Twitter yesterday, is like, I see a lot of talk about this. I don't think people know what they're talking about. Number one, uh, top story, day two of the joint practice. Ends early. We'll break that down for you. John Gruden was not happy at all. We'll try to figure out why it ended early and how much the Raiders lost in not getting the final work in. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Oh, Tony oh. got it. He got it. at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s. It's Cofield and Company. Good job on the call there, Angels TV. Ari, grabbing the full bite. That was awesome. I like that guy. Not Ari, the announcer. We got, we got to get his name. He's been doing that a lot on the Otani calls where he blasts one. He's like, he got it! He got it! <laughs> like, that's a good home run call. Is it? It's unique. There are too many. There are too many. I mean, there's only so many calls you can have, unless you go crazy like John Sterling and you start. Right, you start getting freaking. Some of them are crazy. I don't even. I still don't even know what he does for Jim Carlos Stanton. It's I heard one the other day. Right. I was like, I don't. I, what are you saying? I don't know. Yeah. Like, what are you, you know, he's like Italian? 85 years old now. So the fact that he's doing it, just to retire. Give him some credit. Uh, Eagles losing 13 nothing right now against the Patriots. No Jalen Hurts. Illness. Uh-oh. Non-COVID illness. Yeah, they they're saying non-COVID. Uh, Cam Newton has won the job. He just threw a touchdown pass to Jacoby Myers. If Does Mac Jones completes any good passes, he'll have won the job back. Sure. Uh, That's the way it works. I will say that, first of all, uh, first touchdown of the game, really nice block by Trent Brown for the Patriots. That was good. Mm. Uh, okay. Must be nice. Cam had a couple of dimes, but the touchdown pass, not really. It was like a uh, – Eight yard out uh, in space that was turned into a, a nice run up the sideline. I wouldn't really count that as a great throw. Day two, Rams, Raiders joint practice. Sound like it got even more chippy at times than yesterday. Gruden really pissed off. Why do you think he was so mad? 
I don't know if he really was. I think he had to be mad publicly. Uh, but if there was any frustration or anger, it was just because they had a plan. They had a whole day planned out of practice, and they got some of it in today, but not all of it. And I think any rep that John Gruden misses out on is probably uh, one that he's going to get upset that he didn't get to have. I'm sure you'll see some point in the, in the middle of the season, they run something, and they're like, God, we would have run that just to see if it worked against the Rams, and we never got to do it. We got college football on the way. Week zero is next week. Got a handful of games, and then the full schedule uh, blows open the uh, September 3rd and 4th weekend. Big game here in town. The Vegas kickoff classic. It features BYU and Arizona, and up on the way, we're going to talk to the BYU coach, Kalani Sataki. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook Inside Silver Sevens with Cofield and Company. So we got some great college football coming up at Allegiant Stadium, and BYU is in town, and Kalani Sataki, the head coach, is here with us, and they're playing Arizona, and this is going to be a massive crowd at the kickoff classic. And coach, you got to be thrilled to not only be playing in Vegas, but you have so many backers who are going to be in the stadium. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, we, we, we love – we love Vegas and, and uh, our fan base there. And so and it's a quick trip for our, our fans here in, in Provo, Utah to get down there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And, I mean, what a, what a great, um, you know, great venue to, to be involved with, with playing a football game. And, and so we're looking forward to being in Allegiant Stadium. It's going to be a lot of fun. Now, we've seen some of the preseason games, and I think USA and Mexico played soccer in it. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Just uh, our, our players are really excited about being on that field, being in that stadium. Uh, fans listening on ESPN Las Vegas, tickets as low as 47 bucks to get in. There's tickets available at all levels, but only like 7,000, and uh, that place holds 65,000, so get your tickets now. You know, this isn't officially connected to the old kickoff classic, but this game in name has a lot of history. I don't know if you remember those games back in the day, but BYU actually got into the third kickoff classic, I think it was 1985, and won the game uh, against Boston College, and that these kickoff classics are ones that have a lot of history behind them. They do, and just really honored to be a part of it, and uh, you know, really thankful to, to be in this game, and, and looking forward to the matchup against Arizona. I know they have an excited fan base, and, and, and things that are going on with their program and with Coach Fish, and so just looking forward to that matchup. It's going to be a lot of fun. We, we we played against Arizona in the past, and and we're expecting their best shot, and so hopefully we can. You know, get our guys ready and, and, and be ready to give them Mars as well. So tell me what it's like this year getting ready for the football season because last year, I mean, we don't want that ever to happen again. It was unlike any other year. And I, I wonder, you know, the differences and also what positives you and the kids actually got out of having to deal with all those restrictions. Yeah, well, I mean, it was difficult last year. Just not, not I think the hardest part was just not having the fans around and um, having empty stadiums. That that was unique and, and probably something that we don't ever want to deal with and but, I mean, once the game started, it, seemed the, it seems like the players just got involved in the game or focused on it. Um, but, you know, it, it also gave us an opportunity not to take anything for granted anymore. And, and whether it's, uh, you know, stands uh, the stands being full or just a, a nice, friendly conversation, and you know, eye-to-eye contact type of deal. And, uh, you know, I think that's happened in society altogether. But we have a, pl- a bunch of players and a team full of people that, that are – not going to take things for granted anymore and really appreciate what we have and looking forward to, to just being grateful for the opportunity to play this game and to do it in front of fans. How's your battle at quarterback going right now? Really good. I mean, I think all three guys have done a great job stepping up and um, have proven that, that, you know, that they're up for the task. Right now we have to find the best one that 
I don't know any other way to do it as a head coach and to give the guy that deserves it the most. And right now it's taking some time for us to figure that out. Uh, basically because the three guys have done a great job performing, uh, you know, really well so far in fall camp. Uh, I got a chance to talk to Marcus Arroyo, the UNLV coach this morning, and he's got a quarterback battle and, you know, he's uncertain if he'll have a decision. He wants to have one by the beginning of the season. So where do you fall on this? Do you have to have a guy? Do you have to name a guy? Do you go into the game with sort of a mystery for Arizona? How do you work this? Well, first of all, Marcus is going to do a great job at UNLV. You can see things starting to change. They have a great staff there and, and a bunch of players that believe in what he's doing. Uh, and so the, every coach wants to have a quarterback in place. I, I think that's that's every coach's dream to have someone in place. But uh, you can't do it unless they earn it. And, and so for me – it's waiting for that moment for them to earn it. And, and sometimes it takes all the way up to game time. Uh, some some teams can't figure it out until, until midseason even. But uh, I think for what's the easiest for us and what's easiest for every coach is to have it done as soon as possible. We're hoping that takes place in the next week or so. But until that happens, it's hard, hard to, to just give it to someone until they earn it. And then also to give it to someone when everyone's doing so good is always, always a difficult thing to do. But uh, in the end, I think it'll be the right thing. Once uh, once they earn it, everybody kind of has an idea and knows for a fact that this person should be the guy leading, leading the team. We're talking about the Vegas Kickoff Classic. Game's coming up on September 4th. You can still get tickets at Ticketmaster.com, and that's the voice of uh, BYU football coach Kalani Sataki. So, obviously, you're filling a big hole with Zach Wilson. We can talk about him in a couple minutes. Um, looks like you have good experience back at running back. Uh, you know, a very solid core at wide receiver is O-line kind of the one thing that's a little bit in flux where you know you got to replace a bunch of talent that uh, left either for the next level or is just done with school yeah I mean I, I think the guys coming back right now in our one O-line we feel really good about them um, all of them had started games before so they, they have some experience uh, it's really getting the depth of the team at every position um, you know up up and in, in, in a position where we can feel comfortable with our two deep I think uh, you know, at this level, when you're playing so many different guys and, and such a physical game, playing so many P5 opponents so early on, um, you're going to have to lean on that depth. And, and for us, I'd like to have more than just 11 starters on on an offense and a defense. It, the more you can get, the better. And so we're hoping to get guys or at least prep them so that we can have more than just the 11 guys to go in offensive line. We'd like to have more than just the five guys to start. And right now, it's it's a process getting the, uh, the the twos up so they can compete with our starting spot and and making sure that we can keep perfecting our technique with the ones. I know you have quite a bit back on defense. Who are some of the studs to look for uh, for the fans on defense? Um, I mean, I, I like them all. Those are all guys that, that I think can make plays. We we got a lot of line our linebackers that are coming back are, are guys I think you know Peyton Wilgar, Max Tooley, and Keenan Peely are guys that are chomping at the bid, waiting for their time. They're they're the they're the veterans of the group now. But, we have a bunch of new guys that are coming up to the you know on, uh, on the D line that are um, some have overcome some injuries, some are, are, are back and got their bodies better after their missions. Uh, we have a couple of corners that I think we feel really good about, and we feel good about the depth there. But uh, you know how it is; we just gotta get out, get through these practices, have some more opportunities to tackle, and get some more physical play out here in practice in the next couple of weeks, and then make sure that they're ready to go come September fourth. I'm really looking forward to these guys play. I, don't know what names will make the biggest plays, but I'm hoping as a, as a unit we can show up and, and do our best and, and, and perform for our fans. How hard is it to prep for new coach, new system on the other side? I mean, there, there's no tape on what Jedfish does. It's difficult, especially when you have someone like Jedfish who has so many different um, things in his background. You know, he, he, he and his coaching staff, I know a lot of those coaches have seen them in different places, so they, they're – they're equipped to do so many different things that, that are going to be difficult for a defense. And so 
And then on the defensive side, you know, they have uh, Don Brown. He's been the guy's a, a legend. He's 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 got tons of experience. So they have a great coaching staff in place, and they can do so many different things. I imagine that they're going to use the talent that they have on their team and get their best eleven on the field. And we have to kind of project and forecast a little bit what we're going to see. But that's always hard to predict. I think they know they they definitely have an advantage where they know what we're going to do. We were obviously doing some things a little bit different, but I don't know how different it is compared to what we're dealing with, which is all brand new. So, um, uh, you know, we're just going to just prep. And right now we're focused on what we can do uh, as a team and focus on what we can do better for ourselves. And the scouting time will come when we get closer to the game, probably a week and a half out. Awesome season a year ago, 11-1. and one. You know, great players led by Zach Wilson, why is Zach Wilson going to work in the NFL? When scouts talk to you, what was what were the first couple of things you said about this guy? Like, this is why he's going to be good. Well, when, when he first got on campus, his work ethic is awesome. It's awesome. Unbelievable. And to have your quarterback be one of your hardest workers um, is, is a great thing to have. And, and, and he's kind of set the standard for our whole team, set the standard for, for uh, that quarterback room. And, and um, you know, we've, we've, we're okay with that as coaches. I'm, I'm okay as a head coach that – this guy is expecting a lot higher than what the players are, are currently doing. And so um, he knows how to sacrifice and put football first. And then, you know, we, we obviously know that our players have other things going on in their lives, but um, football is a sacrifice. You have to sacrifice something to get better because if not, your opponent's going to do that. And to have a guy like Zach that sacrifices so much and that works and is all about ball, I mean, now he doesn't have school, so he can focus more on football. And then I think he's going to do well there. Obviously, there's more than more to football than just one player, and so he's going to need his teammates. But uh, if you give him time, I think he'll be really, really good. And he's got this amazing arm talent. He's got a great mind and a great work that work ethic. I, I don't, I don't know how someone can fail when they have all those pieces in place. We're talking BYU football. Kalani Sataki's on with us here for a couple more seconds. With Cofield and Company in Vegas, got the September fourth game coming up. BYU and Arizona are going at it. Well, I want to see Zach Wilson do well for a couple of reasons. One. I'm a long-suffering Jets fan, believe it or not, so I want to see him do well on that front. And the other thing is, uh, I really do want to see more respect come to football in the Mountain and Pacific time zones. Uh, I think we get dissed out here a lot, so I think he's carrying that banner. And I'll tell you, one other thing that's really irked me, uh, and I think it's a lot of media people don't do the work, but people going after your schedule a year ago and saying, well, that you know, look, look at who he played, and it's like... Why are we criticizing him on that? You guys, your schedule was fine last year. You played plenty of talented teams. And um, I don't know. How do you react? Because your schedule's loaded this year. But how do you react to people who are like, well, he didn't play a good schedule. BYU didn't play a good schedule. That's not fair. Well, I mean, I just remind everyone that there was a time where we were the only ones playing football in the West. And so we were committed to playing football. We didn't even know who we were going to play. I'm really thankful that we had a schedule and that we had – uh, teams that were willing to play us, you know, and, and uh, I'm really, I can't sit there and complain about other people dissing us when uh, we got to play football. That's all I care about. Yeah. Uh, Zach Wilson had opportunities to play 12 games and, and, and his teammates had opportunities to show themselves. And we have a bunch of guys that are in the league and, and trying to make teams right now because of that. And I'm really grateful. So I, I'm not going to get angry at people for, for dogging us. I mean, we just got to show up and play this year. We, we have a, a, a brand new team with a lot of different play pieces to, to replace what a great opportunity for these young men to show and, and to get out there and, and do their best. And I'm, I'm looking forward to just having a lot of fun and appreciating the opportunity that I, I have to coach this team and, 
And uh, really looking forward to seeing them make plays on Saturdays. And that for me, that was the biggest thing a year ago. And I'm you know you coach, so I'm just watching from the the sidelines. But the the kids deserve to play. They're, they're, they had to work the same way. And then a lot of schools you couldn't even have the game. So the fact that you're back this year with a full schedule and this schedule is awesome. It's going to be intense. It all starts on September 4th. You got any messages for the Cougar fans? Because from what I hear, uh, there's over 50,000 tickets sold. There's only about 7,000 left of the 58 beyond the luxury boxes, and I think you guys have like 80% of the tickets. Well, I mean, I'm just thankful that we have such great fan base and looking forward to it. I, I think um, after not having them around last year that we missed them, and, and, and uh, I know these players, our, our players are so focused on performing for the fans. They love our fans, and, and uh, we, can, we can come out there and, and, and light it up in Vegas, you know, and, and, and be able to play in, in the stadium that, that, uh, you know, is going to entertain a lot of people, the Raiders fans, UNLV fans, and hopefully we can do it for our BYU fans. Thanks, Coach. We really appreciate the time. We'll see you in a couple Saturdays. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Kalani Stocky, BYU coach. Not sure why I'm screaming at him, but I'm very excited. I am excited. I'm excited to hear the attendance. That's awesome. So still tickets available. Uh, they start getting price as low as uh, 47 up on Ticketmaster.com. They've got the entire freaking stadium open. So there's no limitations. Um, like, I don't know what's going on with the luxury boxes that, that comprise of like 6,500 seats. Uh, but what I think they can sell is about 58,000 seats and they're like at 49 or 50,000. And as I mentioned to the coach, like four of every five tickets purchased seems to be from a BYU fan. So the crowd's going to be tremendous. I think the over on that over Over 80%. 80%. Yeah. 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 It's nuts. It's one of the cool events at Allegiant Stadium. Speaking of that, let's do a giveaway right now. Caller 7 364 1100. Talk to Ari 364-1100. We're effing back. Not us. Guns and Roses. Guns and Roses. First rock show ever at Allegiant Stadium. I know uh, Adam seen Guns and Roses a couple times, said they're freaking awesome. You also have the debut of uh, Mammoth featuring uh, Wolfgang Van Halen this Friday. 364-1100-364-1100, Guns N' Roses, at the Owl, Caller 11. And tickets are still available for this one. Again, go to Ticketmaster.com. Um, I think they get in price on that one. I can't keep all the prices together. But uh, under 50 bucks you get in to see Guns N' Roses. But we got a pair right now for you if you're Caller 11. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 9 o'clock. It's the Law and Sporter Podcast with Justin Watkins from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Congrats to Nick who won the Guns N' Roses tickets. That's awesome. You know, I was just talking about getting price for that concert, and I've been tracking more of these events, Adam, that are going down at the Al. So it's interesting. A couple of days after the Raiders announced the uh, policy of being fully vaccinated, the unvaccinated have zero options to get into the game except for a shot. And I saw a lot of people who were like, they're going to go bankrupt. What a terrible <laughs> business move. I have no idea if this is any true indicator of the market for Raiders tickets. But while I was looking for Guns N' Roses tickets on Ticketmaster, I didn't realize Ticketmaster is actually partnered with or is the NFL Ticket Exchange. So I punched up the Monday Night Football game against the Ravens. I mean, you would assume 
Must be a ton of tickets flooding the market, right? People are all pissed off about the fully vac stuff. Get in price, section 414 upstairs. 380. Yeah, well, it could have been 700 last week. Well, and people also don't realize, like, the tickets are already sold. Raiders don't care. Well, you know, it's funny. Pe- people kept writing, they're not going to sell out. There's not going to be a sellout the entire – they're sold out! <laughs> but people don't realize every freaking or just about every freaking personal seat license, which, you know, is connected to a ticket, you got to buy the ticket, was sold. The Raiders were expecting to do about $250 million in personal seat license sales. Didn't they get near a final total of $550 million? Yes. They did. They're sold out. Everything now is this ticket exchange. Just about everything is this ticket exchange or secondary market. Or I guess if people do turn in their season tickets through the Raiders, they'll go back on sale for this year. But, I mean, you were estimating what you think it's less than, like, a couple of percents, whatever the hell <laughs> I just less, said. Whatever, whatever smallest amount you want to come up with. Because, what, like, as you pointed out, like, what? just sell them yourself. Why of would course. you turn in the whole package? Of course. Uh, and I also I sent you and I can't remember the numbers now. Maybe you do, but uh, you know we have a we kind of have a test case. Like Tulane University did this, and they don't have that many season ticket holders. They don't. They had. Uh, I thought it was eleven thousand. Eleven thousand season ticket holders. Not bad. And a grand total of twenty-seven turned in their tickets after they <laughs> announced this policy. Twenty-seven. Again, I don't know if that's the best, you know, stat information analytic. Because I also think if you're a season ticket holder to go to Tulane, you really want to see Tulane. Sure. Like, it's not a – I'm sure there are very few, like, hey, let's just go to Tulane games. Like, you're you're a pretty hardcore Tulane fan. You're investing this much money in going to Raiders. You probably want to see the NFL. Oh, I think some people bought the Raiders tickets just because they're buying NFL tickets. Sure. So I'm saying they could they they could forego a year and know they have their tickets in following years like they're all, if they're all pissed off and they want to make a statement. But to your point, if it's 27 11 of 11,000, the Raiders is going to be what hundreds out of 57 58,000 season tickets. It's going to be a very small number. <laughs> it is. And if you want to say it's because they're selling them fine, but they're not turning them back in and it's it's not going to be a financially crippling decision for the Raiders. No. No. Other things might be. But th- that, that that's not going to be it. Yeah, what's going on? What's going to develop here the next couple of days? Because there are reports out there. There's a little more uh, detail coming out about why Bedane and some of the other guys from the business department left the Raiders. They're still waiting on reports. There, there seems to be the, the reports today are coming out that there were, quote, financial irregularities somewhere in the organization that stretch back at least a decade. So a lot more still to come out in the story for sure. Very early. Thanks to Silver Sevens. Come on down here. Flamingo and Paradise. Sign up for A-Play. You can get up to $77 in free play. Right when you sign up, it's a great place. Come on down.